Welcome to Down There Aware. I'm Alex. And I'm Mary, Alex's mama. Each week we sit down to discuss various topics concerning gynecologic cancers and women's health care. In 2019, at the age of 32, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer and became painfully aware of just how unaware I was of everything down there. On this podcast, we interview experts, share personal stories, and explore new research. No subject is off limits, so we caution you to listen at your own discretion. Welcome back to another episode. Um, We're really excited this week because we have been... uh, can I say (laughs) is that a verb we've been tiktoking but I was I was gonna say um we kind of went viral this week (laughs) if I do say so myself um and it it's funny we posted I don't know a few handful of videos on tiktok this week um and they varied in their content and um but the one that received the most attention (laughs) was me looking at a camera duetting a doctor um with the common symptoms of gynecologic cancers popping up on the screen, like things you should know. I didn't do anything in the video. I just, I just like agreed and looked and looked concerned and, and shared. And sh- and that was the whole point, Important right? I, I wanted to share that information. And um, because he is a physician, I thought that maybe that would help get the word out. Yeah. And it did because over 200,000 people have seen it, <laughs> which for us is a big deal. Yeah. Um, but I was a little concerned because some of the comments, um, and we know that, you know, social media comments are not where you should live. Um, but I was concerned with how some people thought, um, in their comments. So for instance, the, in the video, um, you know, I just added, speak up for yourself. You're your best advocate. Um, and the doctor talks about cancer signs and some of them include persistent fatigue, constant bloating, changes in bowel or bladder habits, unusual vaginal bleeding or discharge, pelvic pain, and, um, nipple and breast changes. So, and those are things we've talked about on, uh, the podcast, but people started commenting things like, well, my health anxiety is triggered. And so pretty much everything I've been dealing with since puberty Um, and no one will listen to me and I'm tired and I know something's very wrong. And so for those first comments that are, well, my health anxiety is triggered. I, I really struggle with that, with the difference between knowing something and being afraid of it. Yeah. And we, We've talked a lot about that um, in the realm of Alex's cancer story um, because we really sought all the information we could get our hands on because we felt that's what we needed to do to make smart decisions and have smart conversations. Um, But clearly, everybody doesn't feel that way. You know, when Alex told me, there was one comment, something about, oh, way to do something way to make people afraid or I I can't remember now exactly. Um, maybe Alex can find it. But when she told me about that, my first thought was, um, well, now, you know, and knowing is half the battle. GI Joe. Yes, I, yes, exactly. And like knowledge is power. What happened to that? Um, wasn't it, was it the reading rainbow meme or whatever that knowledge is power with the big star? Yeah. And so I, I don't understand 
wanting to hide and not know things. Well, and nothing on that specific TikTok said, if you have these symptoms, you have cancer. Right. Um, And that's where people take it. Yeah. If people took it that way, you know, I'm sorry that um, is how your mind worked for that particular piece of information, because that's really all it was, was a good piece of information to um, help you be aware Well, and not just to be aware, but, you know, to validate people who maybe were struggling with um, some of these symptoms. And I got so many comments about um, how doctors were being dismissive and not believing them or saying that, oh, it's just your period or, oh, it's just um, your age or you're overweight or, you know, various things that we have seen. We've seen women be ignored by their doctors or be shoved off by their doctors. We've seen people who live in bigger bodies not be believed for what they um, truly have. And again, to say, just because you have abnormal abnormal <laughs> vaginal bleeding doesn't mean that you automatically have cancer at all. And because we feel knowledge is so important, we're going to share another in the news. Today's in the news is to recognize International HPV Awareness Day. That's Thursday, March 4th. And so we wanted to share a little bit more about HPV um, and how it can be prevented because as we know, HPV is the leading cause of cervical cancer. Yeah, and you know, I um, when I think about things like HPV, in my 60, almost seven, 67 years, um, I'm just continually amazed at the advances in medicine. And HPV, it, the treatment and um, just the understanding of the spread and the virus in general, has come so far in my lifetime Um because of the treatments available, but especially because of the vaccine to prevent it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we will see more um, as the generations who were encouraged to get the HPV vaccine as uh, teenagers um, grow into adults. I think we'll see a drastic drop off in numbers. Um, I did find some interesting stats about HPV. So as we know, HPV is a virus. It stands for human papillomavirus. um, And It is spread, contracted through sexual contact, Um, and there are several different strains. I was um, really kind of intrigued in doing this research that there are so many different strains, but I found that it's a significant source of morbidity and mortality in the United States and worldwide still, even though there are vaccines. There um, are two strains in particular, 16 and 17, that are considered oncogenic Uh, types of HPV, and they are associated with 99.7% of all cervical cancers. 99.7% of cervical cancer is preventable, essentially. Mm, that's That's amazing that it is preventable. It is. And we know so many people who suffer with Mm. cervical cancer. Um, So approximately 6.2 million new HPV infections occur every year. um, And approximately 20 million individuals are currently affected uh, in the United States. So the the Centers for Disease Control estimate that this astounded me. 
at least half of all sexually active individuals will acquire HPV at some point in their lives, whereas at least 80% of women will acquire an HPV infection by age 50. Wow. 80% of women by age 50. Yeah, those numbers kind of blow me away. Yeah, me too. Um, So the last thing I wanted to say, there was a study done of 148 female university students um, and as they were initiating sexual activity um, in that time and they found a cumulative incidence of HPV of 38.9% of the participants in two years. So within two years of beginning sexual activity, almost 40% of those uh, young women were infected with HPV. Oh, wow. So... You know, I and I just read uh, a couple days ago that the vaccine is now being marketed toward adults as well. So I think we'll see even more as um, people move on uh, and receive the vaccine. And as we move through time, that older people, um, as they grow, will not be as infected. So hopefully those numbers continue to decline. And that was In the Another time when people are dismissed um, by the medical community is when the doctor you're seeing doesn't have expertise in that specific condition or disease. Um, and nowadays, it seems like there are more and more specialists in and then subspecialties in specialist fields. And um, so if you go to someone who doesn't have um, a lot of information or doesn't have a lot of experience or expertise in gynecologic cancer, um, and you're just seeing them because that's who you see all the time, um, it, it, you do feel dismissed and you oftentimes get bad information or at least not enough information. Yeah. So like when I presented to my GP, who is a family practitioner, um, that I was experiencing this heavy bleeding after being on birth control and that I had bled for, um, 30 days, really, really heavy and clotting. Um, you know, his first practice, which I think was a good one. He, uh, had me do blood work Mm -hmm. to check on my blood levels. And that's when we found that I was anemic. And then after finding out about the anemia, he sent me to a gynecologist. Now, he didn't just send me to any gynecologist. He sent me to a gynecologist in a group who specializes in bleeding disorders. And that was perfect. Um, That was the perfect guidance you received to for them to get to the bottom of what was going on with you. And they did. Right. And. Unfortunately, not every person sees a doctor like I did. Um, And so if you are able to arm yourself with knowledge of, hmm, this bleeding is a little abnormal. Maybe I should bring it up. A lot of people go through life thinking heavy periods, painful periods, kind of weird discharge is normal or that it's too embarrassing to talk about because it's in my nether region. And like, No, it's not. You need to talk about everything with your doctor. Well, and I believe we touched on this at some point over the last year, but um, for our family, my mother had terribly heavy periods. 
Um, however, she had a hysterectomy in her early 30s, so she never had all her uh, female organs long enough for anything to develop into cancer. I, too, had um, heavy periods and a lot of the issues Alex had, but I also had a hysterectomy, and so um, I I didn't have all the parts that, you know, I, it could have turned to cancer. I did have my um, hysterectomy later than my mother, and I did have some abnormal pap smears, and some subsequent treatment, but never were they cancerous. They were, um, you know, abnormal, I think is what abnormal cells were detected. Um, so then when it got to Alex, it was pretty much, well, you know, her Nana had it, her mama had it. Um, and we figured that was why she had the heavy periods and all the issues. And the first time that I went on the birth control pill, I bled for 30 days and did go and talk to my gynecologist about it who prescribed the that medication thinking I might need to go on a different birth control pill and he did a pelvic exam and I'm not a doctor so I don't know what he saw but he said you're not actively bleeding um it should finish up in the next couple days and it did and so I thought okay well that must be normal you know it, it, and I know that when you start a new birth control um, hormonal birth control that is there are fluctuations and it does change and sometimes you skip a period or sometimes one lasts longer or you have spotting so again I didn't think anything of it because a doctor told me oh it's fine but also I was 19 so with the common rhetoric of pair or postmenopausal women are the only people who get gynecologic cancers um, or uterine cancer specifically it was not on his mind at all mm. and we know that uterine cancer grows relatively slowly. So who knows if I had any precancerous cells at that point? I don't know. We'll never know. Um, but I very well could have. And if it had been found when I was 19 with precancer, I could have received treatments that were fertility sparing instead of needing a full hysterectomy. Exactly. And that was all because of a, um, it, it doctors are thinking that only postmenopausal women get uterine cancer and B that um, the birth control pills themselves cause the hormonal changes um, that cause the heavy bleeding, which we know both of those aren't necessarily true. Yeah. And you know, I think we as a scientific society get caught up in, averages and mm -hmm. norms and often because of that when someone presents weird you know they tell doctors when you hear hoofbeats don't think zebras yeah um and mom and I always laugh when we hear that on medical shows because we all always think well I'm a zebra <laughs> Alex I, ca zebra. I come at you and I'm a zebra like <laughs> it, uh, there's no horse about it um but it's true that Every single condition that I have, and I'm a weirdo, I know, um, but every single condition I've been diagnosed with is not very common, and I've gone about it in a weird way, <laughs> whether that was by my age or how it presented itself. Um, I, I just don't 
fit into a textbook. And so that's why I have struggled with being accurately and quickly diagnosed with various things um, because I, I don't present in a normal way or at the right age, according to the textbook. Well, and I believe that's also why this podcast exists, because we went through so many of those unusual conditions with Alex that finally it was kind of like the cancer was the cherry on top or the straw that broke the camel's back, however you want to look at it. It was like, okay, this has happened so many times that really the word needs to get out that uh, we can't lay back and look at the norms and just stick in those little boxes any patient who has these symptoms and um, say, well, they're not old enough or they haven't had it long enough or whatever the other excuses are. We really have to look at each case individually. We do. And, you know, I am reminded of our interview with Johanna Holler, who had vulvar cancer. Um, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. It's in season one. Um, it's called Interview um, with Johanna Holler. And she is a vulvar cancer survivor. And it took her seven years, mm. seven years to be diagnosed. And because of that, she has had to go through horrific treatments when, if it was caught earlier, she maybe wouldn't have lost her hair or she maybe wouldn't have had to have chemo at all. Um, and now she's she's better um, and she has uh, started a really great vulvar cancer awareness group Um but it's so frustrating that she had to wait so long when, and she even asked for the specific test that diagnoses it. Yeah, she asked for a biopsy. She asked for a biopsy mm -hmm. and was refused a biopsy. Now, I'm sorry, especially if you have insurance, a biopsy should be pre pretty simple. It's relatively non-invasive. It's something that can be done with local anesthetic. Like, it's not a major procedure that a doctor should just say, oh, well, we can't do that just yet. Especially when she's presenting with all of these issues and none of her issues were normal. Your vulva shouldn't itch all the time. You shouldn't have sores. You shouldn't have all of these things that were happening and people just brushing her off and it, it infuriates me when I think about it um, but this just reminds me perfectly that had her doctors been aware and had she been she was definitely aware enough to know something was different in her body but if someone had told her or she had seen a TikTok that said common symptoms of vulvar mm -hmm. cancer include she could have taken that and said look this is what I'm concerned about do the freaking test yeah and I know that we uh, bring to light a lot of negative stories because those are the people who come to us and say, oh, wow, I'm so happy you're doing this podcast because this is what happened to me. So I know it happens a lot. Um, there are a lot of positive stories and um, I'll just share a quick one. <laughs> it's um, I was going to the Cleveland Clinic to have open heart surgery and, you know, had everything in place at work and flew up there, had the testing done. While they were doing the testing, they noticed on one of my breasts, and I had noticed this at home, I had what to me looked kind of like a little pimple. And um, 
so I, I just never thought twice about it. And so when they were doing the testing and examining me, the doctor said, oh, what's this? And I said, I don't know. It just came up a few days ago. It looks like a pimple. And they said, well, we can't crack your chest open if you have this on your breast. And so right there and then they did a biopsy. They sent me home, rescheduled my open heart surgery. We so, live in Florida, by yeah. the way. So that's another trip, you know, back and forth to, from Florida to uh, Ohio. And But I'm saying that to say that's a good thing. They wanted to do the biopsy. They wanted to make sure it was only a cyst, no issue. And um, so there was not even any discussion. They didn't say, oh, well, we'll reschedule if you want. They said, we're going to send you home and reschedule your surgery. Uh, so there are a lot of great, effective, efficient doctors who um, are just like that, too. Well, and I would even say my overall diagnosis was, I mean, if you can say a good one, <laughs> um, it was because I was believed, first mm -hmm. off, my symptoms, um, you know, my concerns, they were believed. And immediately there was uh, a next step had blood work and then I was sent to a specialist and that specialist I sat down with him and I talked through all my symptoms and he said you need a DNC we'll schedule you right away and he did he scheduled me just a couple weeks later not a problem the only thing about that visit that irks me is that he actually said you're too young to get uterine cancer so we don't have to worry about that and um I think he has learned now that that's not the case well and, and he and he felt really really terrible about saying it i mean he did and and i i love him he's amazing um but all of that to say even my diagnosis was good because i didn't really face any hurdles mm -hmm. you know i didn't have to fight for a test or i didn't have to fight for treatment um and so but not everybody's test is or um diagnosis is like that or oh, experience no. at all is like that and you can look back on the episodes where we spoke with people about their specific cancer journeys and it's unbelievable what some people go through so we are so grateful that alex's um whole experience was as um i guess as quick as far as turnaround to what she said when she found out she had cancer was i just wanted out i just wanted out of me yeah. And, you know, I think had I been in a different place in my life, um, had I been actively trying to have a baby or if I was in a relationship where I felt confident in having a baby with that man, um, that I would have tried to, you know, move forward with fertility preserving, um, treatments. But for me, that wasn't the reality. And so I accepted that and, and moved on. Yeah. So, you know, in our talking about fear, versus um information or knowledge, knowledge. <laughs> fear versus knowledge um, i really think it's a personal choice but our choice to get the word out is one of knowledge we're not trying to be fear mongers and we certainly don't want people to um have their fears heightened just by listening to our episode or watching our tiktok videos but um, we believe getting information out is important. We know if we had had different information, better information, things would have been different for Alex. And, you know, you don't, when you go through something like that, you don't want anybody else to have to go through something like that. So 
that's why we um, we really want to get the new the information out. There have been so many great advancements in medic- medicine, and um, you know we want to share what we find out on this podcast because there was a time when some pretty crazy information was out there. There are things we are told that are not really true, but your grandma told your mama and your mama told you. They didn't mean you harm, they were doing their best, but now it's time to put them to rest. Gyno, Gynosaurus, debunking those crazy old wives' tales. Well, another... Uh, Gynosaurus old wives tale to share today. My, this this has to be like very prehistoric, pre everything, pre medicine. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, pre common sense even. Okay, this one is when you get your first period, jump up and down three times or. Jump off of the last three steps of a staircase to ensure that your period will only last three days. <laughs> three is the magic number. Oh, man. <laughs> that is, isn't that the low end of the average? Well, you know, if that is true, why wouldn't you just jump off one staircase or, or jump up one time i mean if you get to pick i just want it to be over i'm gonna have a period for one day and i'll be done with it oh man well yeah since um we know that the average period lasts anywhere from three to seven days and um it's kind of predetermined by that <laughs> uterine lining and, and how quickly it's sloughing off and you I don't think you can speed it up at all you know I just think um now that I'm sitting here it must be because years ago there was no tv there were no telephones there were no radios certainly there was no internet um and so people just had to sit around and talk about things, and they dreamed up these. These were the creative thinkers back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a doozy. Well, that was a really good. Gyno, Gynosaurus, debunking those crazy old wives' tales. Well, that was a very interesting Gynosaurus, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, and that's part of the reason why we want to get knowledge out there and why we feel it's important and that we shouldn't be afraid of new knowledge. Um, we can take everything in and choose not to be afraid of it. Like mom said, it's a choice. You have to make a choice whether or not your new knowledge is going to affect you negatively, or if you're going to take that and just kind of keep it in your back pocket so that if any of those symptoms happen to you, you can talk to your doctor about it. So in um, fear versus knowledge, we choose knowledge. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 